Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Pagani, joined alongside Bennington Devils defenseman Julian Melchiori. Julian, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. You know, lots of people have been watching uh, Tiger King. Uh, you know, Outer Banks and Ozarks are uh, two great shows. What have you been doing during quarantine? Um, I Can I say the same thing as that? No, I, I mean, a little bit of watching TV shows. I mean, I think everyone to start didn't really know how to handle it. Um, oh, yeah. I was definitely big into Netflix, but um, I'm a little, little bit more active now. I've been uh, playing a little bit more tennis and basketball, obviously. Um, well, I'm in Toronto right now. Our restrictions are um, allow us to do that. So um, I've been doing some stuff outside now. So bike, some light biking, um, basketball, tennis. Um, and even it, it sounds funny just going for walks and stuff at night. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, with my girlfriend right on the water here in Toronto. So we get to walk along the water and um, it's nice. It's uh, it's kind of different than what I'm usually used to, you know, um, but it's uh, I've, like I've said before, like it's it's everyone's kind of getting better at it I think and it, everyone's handling it differently but I think for me um, I've kind of innovated and uh, learned to do some new things in this time. Like you said you're working out doing tennis how do you hope to uh, remain active and be in shape for next season because you don't want to peak too early. Yeah it's it's it's, it's going to be an interesting off season to say the least. I'm uh, I, I kind of slowed it at first I wasn't really sure what was happening and I kind of was going heavy on the the workouts, but now it kind of seems like we're going to have a little bit of a pushback season. So um, I've kind of laid off the gas a little bit. And, and like I said, kind of um, just been doing some active activities, um, basketball, soccer, um, tennis, and some workouts as well too. But I'm kind of just um, going to lay off that a bit and uh, kind of see what's going to happen here first before I kind of go full mode into that. Have you been watching NASCAR or Bundesliga since it has returned? No, actually, no. I mean, uh, not at all. Have you? Or no, um, you know, I'm not too big into uh, NASCAR or Bundesliga. To be fair, you know, I'm not a big soccer fan unless if it's the international events, such as you know the World Cup and that stuff. Uh, that has yeah. me stuck to my TV. You know, I, I come from an Italian background, so uh, you know, go yeah. Italy, go. Um, but <laughs> other than that, you know, uh, once the NBA returns, which is set for like July 30th, I believe, uh, yeah. which will be fun. Um, then yeah, I'll be glued to my TV once that returns. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone um, is missing hockey, so um, yeah, can't wait for that. Who influenced you to start hockey? Um, it was it was my my mom's family. Uh, my dad didn't really play hockey at all. Um, my mom, her uh, brother Mike Murphy, played in the NHL um, for I think it was. 13 years um, he was the captain of the LA Kings and now he's actually the vice president of hockey operations at the NHL um, he had three sons that played hockey um, two of them were drafted in the NHL played in the AHL one played in the AHL one played I think in the East Coast League um, a little bit older than me but I just I have a really strong family background in hockey um, and uh yeah, I, that my parents got me into it at a young age, and it was kind of my family influence that got me going. You know, I've, I have been following uh, your play for quite some time now, and you did train with Josh Robel, I believe. What are some advantages of having a personal skills trainer? Um, a lot of different things. I, yeah, I, I worked with Josh Robel a few years back. I, I've worked with a lot of guys um, on ice, off ice, um, 
it, it, there's tons of tons of advantages. I mean, there's so many guys out there now. Um, whatever your strengths weaknesses are, um, for me, I love having a skill guy in the summer that works with me one on one. I, I think that's kind of a a part of the game that um, took a little bit longer for me to develop. For me, I was always more of a bigger, stronger, faster guy, and um, so that's something I I like to work on. But it's just especially where I live now. I'm from Toronto, like I said, and there's just so many different resources out here, and um, I, it's 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 great to see. Was there a player growing up who you wanted to model your game after? Chris Pronger. Uh, my dad used to always tell me to watch Chris Pronger. Um, and I think it was like 2000, 2001 when he won MVP in Norris Trophy um, in the same year. Um, that was like kind of my, I would have been, you know, nine years old. So that was kind of one of my, my first year I could, I could actually sit and watch hockey and enjoy it. And, we watched him lots and um, it was just, you know, cool to see him win that that year. And that was kind of when I fell in love with watching hockey. Now, like you said, you're from Toronto. So would you also agree that, you know, the media helped you get into hockey uh, in a oh. way? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, for sure. I, I To be honest, I've never even thought of it um, from that point of view. But uh, for sure, I mean, I mean, the coverage here and, um, you know, Toronto and Montreal, your, your Habs are, are yeah. probably the two biggest um, in the world for hockey. So, yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, it's, it's somewhere you go anywhere in Toronto, any store, restaurant, and it, TSN's in the background playing. And so, yeah, I, I would say that probably helped uh, my hockey influence as well. So I want you to, you know, tell me about your road to where you are today. Like, you know, you started in the minor leagues in, you know, Richmond Hill or Toronto. Like, how, where did you go from there? Um, it was kind of an interesting path for me. I, I was always, uh, I, play, I grew up playing for the Toronto Marlboros. Um, and I was there for seven years total. And I was always kind of a smaller player growing up. And I was kind of, um, didn't really develop till I was a little bit older. So I was always an average player on, on a good team. And, um, just the, the idea of playing Division One hockey or even in the OHL was kind of in the distance for me. I was just kind of enjoying hockey at the time and um, worried about, you know, playing AAA and staying there. And um, so I guess eventually what happened was I did get drafted to the OHL. I was kind of a late, late round pick. I was 14th round, actually. Um, and it was I, it never really occurred to me to even make a career out of hockey. I, like I said, I love playing hockey, but I, I wasn't, you know, great you know I was more of an average player on a good team like I said um so I ended up kind of setting my hopes on division one hockey and I, I really wanted to get uh my education paid for my, my family was all in you know if I would if I could play hockey and get my education paid for at any degree that would be a win um and it was probably right around 17 18 years old I I had a huge growth spurt and um I just kind of fully engaged and put all my eggs in one basket and I it was I remember it was, it was I don't want to say it was one summer but it was probably over two years where I just um was really adamant with working out skating um and it's just it was just two crucial years for me and um I didn't really look down or look look to side to side where everyone else was doing I kind of just um like I said put all my eggs in one basket and um before I knew it I had some NCAA uh, teams calling me and um, asked me to come and visit and um, I actually did commit to a school uh, UMass Lowell um, and I, I was about I think I was uh, 17 it, it was a pretty early commitment I was uh, about a year and a half after I got drafted to the OHL 
which doesn't really always happen like that from being such a late pick, but um, it ended up working out. And so then I was really set on um, playing at UMass Lowell and getting my education. I was super pumped. It was a D1 school. It was a, an up and coming school, um, good crowd, uh, get a hockey program was getting better. Um, and then I, I, like, I, I just, I just put my head down and kept working and, um, I didn't even really think about, you know, NHL draft or anything of that means I, I was just playing uh, tier two junior A at the time, obviously, cause you can't play in the OHL if you're going to go to the NCAA. And, um, and then it was, it was funny how it worked out. I started getting calls from NHL scouts and, um, obviously I, I have a late birthday. So, um, I was getting drafted with 92 birthdays. I was 91 and I uh, started getting uh, calls from NHL scouts and um, I ended up getting drafted at a tier two junior A that year which was quite a surprise by this is going to be funny for some people but Atlanta Thrashers it was actually that's a throwback last, yeah it's a throwback it was their their last year in existence um, so that's kind of my claim to fame I was the last third rounder in Atlanta Thrashers history um, but uh, they were uh, pretty adamant they, they they thought that it'd be best if I played in the OHL and that year I was going to um, UMass Lowell, like I said, I was committed, and um, I didn't really want to go to the OHL. I, I really want to get my school paid for it, but um, Kitchener Rangers kind of heard that I was interested in going to the OHL. They traded for my rights, and um, I went in. I wanted to kind of look at all my options at the time. I went and checked out Kitchener, and, and we had some talks, and I ended up decommitting to UMass Lowell about a month before going there and signing Kitchener in the OHL. And that was, the rest was kind of history from there. Like I, um, it was a really tough decision for me. Um, but I remember at the time, the biggest thing was I, you only really get one shot at playing in the NHL and I wanted to give myself the best shot. And I think I made the right decision. And I think that was going to the OHL and kind of, um, ramping up my development and playing more games and having a little bit more exposure with NHL ready players. Um, and it ended up working out, you know, I ended up, uh, obviously the, the Atlanta Thrashers turned over to the Winnipeg Jets and I ended up signing with the Winnipeg Jets and going through their system. Um, I was there for, I think it was eight years total. I, I played six years pro there, but I think it was I seven, about seven and a half years there in the system. And I, I absolutely loved it. I, I made some great lifelong friends in Winnipeg, played my first NHL game there. Um, had two um, longer NHL stints there. Um, it was just kind of up and down for about, um, I'd say, a good part of two and a half years there. Um, and really just called Winnipeg home for a long time. I, I really liked it. And um, But yeah, it came to the time where I, I just kind of wanted to, I wanted to see how I would do in other organizations. And I, I kind of wanted to push for that full-time spot. Um, I would, Like I said, I was up and down for two and a half years. And I, I really wanted to push for that. Um, full-time spot and I decided to when I was a UFA to kind of test the market and I ended up signing a deal with Florida didn't work out there and I was you know um, minors the full year and then ended up um, signing just an AHL deal this last season um, and then moving to a, a, an NHL deal but um, it's, it's been good like I, I really don't regret my decision at all I, I kind of knew what I had there in Winnipeg with you know I was a good up and down player but I didn't want to at the end of the day regret um staying there and not trying somewhere else so that's kind of I guess my uh, career to date and I, now I'm just kind of seeing what happens with all this uh, COVID stuff and hopefully we'll uh, get a deal here soon somewhere and uh, go from there. 
how busy was your life in the OHL with school and all that? Um, it was pretty, you know what? It was actually pretty good. So I finished, I graduated high school before I put it in the OHL. So I know that's a, that's kind of a big challenge for a lot of guys. It's going to school and playing in the OHL. Um, even tier two, junior A or junior B, like it's, I think people kind of forget and teachers and even the school system, sometimes, you know, you're, you're practicing fives, you're or, yeah. sorry, I think rank five, six days a week and you're studying. Like, I don't think people really understand what a, um, uh, a student athlete is outside of school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was, it was pretty good for me because I, I actually, when I was in the OHL, I was actually taking two courses at Laurier um, and I had to balance it. And it, it, it was, it was tough. It was a lot of planning out, but it, it taught me some great lessons on um, responsibility and um, just uh, taking initiative. But so I ended up just going to two courses in uh, the OHL. What was it like being fortunate enough to be drafted third round by the Atlanta Thrashers in 2010? Um, well, it was, it was an awesome experience. I just, not just for me, but my whole family, I, it was the, the draft was in LA that year. So the whole family went out to Los Angeles and we stayed out there for probably about two, three weeks, kind of a little bit of vacation after it was a little bit, wasn't really a vacation before the draft. Obviously. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, when finally my name got called, it was, um, a day I'll never forget. I mean, I like to say it was, it was, you know, just happiness, but at the same time, the type of person I am, my name got called and then I'm like, okay, so like what's next? And kind of, you start thinking about going to training camp and, you know, um, uh, meeting some of the guys and if you can, uh, if you'll compete with other guys. So that was kind of, it was, it was just a really different, interesting day, but I, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was, uh, it was an amazing day. Did you look at their organizational like roster depth to see where you would possibly fit in? Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and I talked to at the time the GM and, and the coach, mm-hmm. and and they kind of showed me where I was gonna slot in. I mean, not exactly, but they said you know I was gonna be uh, hopefully you know at that time when I was coming out of school be uh, you know a uh, a third pair defenseman, you know someone who was um, hard on hard on players, got the puck out, move the puck. You know, I'm, so, um, yeah, you know, they kind of told me what they expected me and what type of player they wanted me to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really look too much into it. I was just kind of more, um, I don't want to say worried, but concerned about just going there and, and being able to compete. And, um, you know, your whole life you work towards playing in the NHL. And um, finally, when the opportunity comes, um, I was really um, – you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be ready and I, I wanted to, to do my best. So that was kind of where the, the doubt and the, um, I guess you could say insecurity came. You know, what was the call? Uh, you know, what was the call when the Jets, uh, you know, called you to play for them for your first NHL game? Um, it was really interesting. It was actually uh, Christmas break. Um, so I got called up one time before, but I never played. I was a healthy scratch. And then it was actually during our Christmas break when I was playing in St. John's. We um, we had a bunch of days off. I can't even remember what – our Christmas break was kind of extended that year. And I think I got called up. It was Christmas Day. And I got the call at maybe like 2 or 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock that I had to be in Winnipeg by the next morning because we had a game on the 26th against Minnesota. And um, they told me I was playing because it, it was – I think it was Mark Stewart who was sick and couldn't play. 
So I literally had to get on a plane on Christmas day and fly to Winnipeg. And it was just a, a whirlwind of emotions. I mean, I was, um, felt like I couldn't even catch my breath, but um, what an experience it was. Like you said, they brought you up and uh, unfortunately you were a healthy scratch. Was that just like a, you know, a ploy for you to get some uh, viewing at the NHL action? Um, yeah, I think a little bit. So it was actually, uh, I got called up as the seventh defenseman and uh, yeah, I, it was kind of a short term thing. Like they, I think, mm -hmm. I can't remember what somebody was suspended or sick. I can't really remember exactly, but it was between me and a couple other defensemen. And I, I was actually a rookie that year and I was, I was doing pretty well. It was a lockout year. And um, I, I think there was kind of a small chance that whoever was going to get called up was going to play. So I think they did kind of um, kind of gave me the call. I practiced for a bit, saw a few games, kind of experienced the, the NHL life, um, and then I'm getting sent back. And it, it, was, it was great they did that for me. Yeah, it must have been, because I would think that it would help you with your growth as a player as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think the more you're up there, the more comfortable you get, um, whether it's being on the bus, the plane, at, at the rink, when you're such a when you're a young kid and you go into an NHL dressing room, it's pretty intimidating looking oh. around and seeing all the guys. So I just think that the more you're there, um, whether it's playing a game or not, the more comfortable you get. I, I know that was the case for me, and um, I was pretty fortunate that I I, I got um, quite a few call-ups before I played my first game, and then even before I had a little bit longer stints, I was kind of up and down and um, just building relationships with the guys, you know, with the staff, everything. Um, made me feel a lot more comfortable when I, when I did finally get a chance to be a player on the team. Did you ever get the rookie lap? I never, I never did actually. Um, I got, I remember somebody hid my helmet before my first game. <laughs> um, it was Paul, it was probably Dustin Bufflin. He does a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, probably. He's a good jokester. Yeah. Uh, someone hid my helmet, but I ended up fine. I can't remember what happened. I was, I was, Fully prepared to go out there, no no helmet for uh, warm-up, which is, like, unheard of as a rookie. But I can't remember. I think one of the trainers grabbed it. Um, they didn't really like the joke. This is this is also, like, uh, how many years ago? Nine well, years. Ten years ago, almost. Eight, nine years ago. So it was a little bit – there was a little bit more strictness between rookies and vets. Yeah. I think now everyone's a little bit more laid back. But back then, it was, like, almost like, we're not letting a rookie go out there. No <laughs> So uh, I, I did end up wearing my helmet and I was kind of excited to be honest. I was like, yeah, you know, first warm up, like, I mean, no Bucky. Have to, I have to go out there. Right. So, yeah. but I didn't get it. Like you said, you unfortunately got sent back down for St. John's at the time. Uh, did you ever use that for motivation? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think whenever you're up there, I think as I got older, it's it's a little bit tougher. But when, whenever you get called in the NHL, I mean, your confidence goes through the roof. I mean, oh, yeah. you know that they're watching you and, and, and they're taking you seriously as a player. So, I and, and yeah, so I think whenever you get into game action, especially, and you come back, you, you, you feel great. You know, you're really high on yourself. You're confident. You know um, you're a good player and, and, they, and they value you. So, I think, yeah, you, you kind of just want to keep those wheels turning when you get sent down. What did the coaches tell you to work on when you got sent down? 
I think just being more of my identity. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you know this, and most players know this, or mo- most fans know this. Going up and down in the NHL, it, it isn't easy because you're, you're two, you're almost two different players between the NHL and the AHL. The but it's not players, even. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, it's not even that, but it's like your confidence issue, right? Like you, you know, yeah. like you said, your confidence goes way through the roof, and then next thing you know, it could just you know fall to the ground. Exactly. And I think that the best players and the guys who make it are the guys who are the same player in the NHL as they're in the AHL. I think I've seen so many guys come and go now that, you know, they're, they're a first line, second line guy in the AHL. They're on the power play. Um, they're a shooter. And then you get called up to the NHL and they're playing on the third and fourth line. And, and you're trying to, you know, make moves to the blue line. You're turning it over. Um, I think it's, it's the guys that play their game consistently. Um, between the AHL and the NHL. Um, for me, I think it was a little bit of a benefit, the type of player I was, because I was always a, a simple defenseman um, in the AHL, especially when I was younger. I just played physical, kept it simple, kept the puck moving, and that's kind of the way they wanted me to play in the NHL. So I think that kind of gave me more of um, leeway for them because they knew what they were getting every night when they called me up or, you know, they, they, um, they needed me. So... Um, I, I think a lot of players get caught in between now, and I, I think that's just a personal opinion. I, I think guys, you know, um, they you know they play third, fourth line in the NHL, and they're good at it. Then they get sent to the American League, and they think they're going to be a goal scorer. And it doesn't mean you can't score goals in the AHL, but you got to kind of remember what got you there in the first place, or how you're going to be effective in the NHL. Um, and I, I think that was kind of important for me to realize for myself. Um, and I, I, you see it a lot typically more with younger forwards um, and kind of the example I said, but that's something I really realized as I got older. How did you create the opportunity for yourself to get better? Um, I think just constantly working on my game. I, I, staying, I mean, it sounds like it's mundane or repetitive, but, you know, staying on the ice after practice, um, being in the, the gym weight room. Um, and also a big thing was watching hockey for me. Like, I think just, you know, a lot of, not a lot of players watch the game and try to get better when they're watching. And I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Sometimes everybody likes to watch hockey for entertainment and, and, and you know, watch the stars play. But I, I think for a good part of my career, I, I would really watch players who I, I thought I could be like, and I thought I played like, and I would watch them. Um, and, uh, I think, yeah, it's just, uh, I think it's great for any young player to do that. You did play in the Calder Cup playoffs when you were with the Manitoba Moose uh, back in 2017-18 season. What was that experience like? Excellent. We we had a really good team that year. And um, I think um, it was really tough the way it ended. We, ha- I mean, if you look back at our roster now, we have so many players that, have, that play in the NHL now. Um, and we had great goaltending. We actually kind of, I mean, any a lot of teams can use this excuse, but we obviously the Jets were in the playoffs that year too, so they took a few of our players that we would have liked to have um, for the for the playoffs. But it was a really exciting year. We we had a great team. We were we were first place in the AHL for most of the year that year, and um, we ended up kind of uh, losing a bunch of players before the playoffs and going into the playoffs. And we still we still did well. We ended up going being the the former Calder Cup champions that year, Grand Rapids in the first round, and then we did lose to Rockford, who went to the I, I think they went to the conference finals that year. But 
um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we had a lot of fun. Guys were close on the team, um, and it was a great experience. Did you create any playoff superstition for yourself? Uh, I don't think so. To be honest, I was just kind of – it's such a, a nerve-wracking time for everyone, players, coaches, oh, yeah. fans even. I just, I just wanted to treat it like any other regular season game. And I was a little bit older at that point too, and I, I just honestly just – told myself, don't do anything different. Don't, you know, try to warm up harder. Don't try to do too much. And, I, and you know what? It, it was actually worked out well for me. I was pretty happy with my game in that playoffs. What were some of the challenges you guys faced during that first round against Grand Rapids? Um, well, I... Because it did I, go to a fifth and deciding game, I should say. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, they had home ice advantage. I remember that. So that was huge. And I think just their playoff experience. They, they won the Calder Cup the year before. They had most a lot of the returning players and they, and they went to the playoffs the year, we were a bunch of young kids like for the most part we had a lot of young entry-level guys um so i i think just people didn't really even think we were gonna win even though we were one of the best teams in the league all year they people still kind of had us as the underdog um and i i think just the experience the overall experience they had a little bit of an older team more experience and we were a bunch of a bunch of young guns and um, it was it was a great series. Like I said, uh, you know, you guys did go to a fifth and deciding game. Uh, leading up to that game, were there any sleepless nights? Sorry, any what nights? Sleepless. Oh, sleepless. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's. I wouldn't say fully sleepless, but definitely the nerves. I mean, it was it was a huge opportunity for everyone on our team. Um, I mean, we, our teams in, in, in St. John's and Manitoba hadn't been good the, the prior two, three years to that. Um, we were kind of in a rebuilding phase. We had some good teams in St. John's early on. And I think everyone was just looking to um, kind of um, make their mark in, in the organization as a, as a player. And we were all we – were, we were a little bit pissed off. We, we weren't great for the last couple of years. So we were really looking to, to make a splash in the playoffs there. So I, I think everyone was a little bit nervous, but I think that's kind of, you know, part of the game. You unfortunately did get uh, sweep, swept uh, by Rockford Ice Hogs, the Chicago affiliate, the next round. Uh, what lessons did you learn from that series yeah. that you, you could add to your team or game? Yeah, they, they were a great team. I, I And I, I think that year they had a bunch of guys that they sent down um, for playoffs. So it, it's funny how the AHL works. It's – you can – have a great team all year and you just kind of get an unlucky matchup in the playoffs to a, you know, a team that their parent club doesn't make it. And they, they send some guys down and it's almost like two different teams. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but Rockford, they, they weren't a great team all year. It, it was kind of weird. They just peaked at the right time. They were kind of, um, I want to even say in and out of the playoff spot all year. And then they kind of really peaked last month of the season going into the playoffs. And I believe they swept the first two rounds. Uh, they were an absolute powerhouse that year. Since you are in the AHL, what's it like knowing that each game could be your last uh, since, you know, given the fact you could get called up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking. I think that all, all, the best players, too, also, they're not ever really worrying about getting called up. They're just worrying about that game. And that was kind of something I, I learned later on in my career was just worry about the next game, worry about the next shift. When you start getting called up, oh, yeah, they got, they got an opening spot up top. Someone got injured. Um, they send someone down. That's kind of when you, you kind of can lose track of yourself. And I think just kind of taking every day um, one at a time is kind of the best mentality to have. What's a typical game day for you? 
typical game day, I, I'm a lot more relaxed than what I used to be. I, I used to have a bunch of superstitions and stuff, but I think as you get older, you just kind of realize that you're better off going to a game um, relaxed and, and feeling good uh, mentally and physically. I mean, one, I'd say the one, the two biggest things for me is I, um, is my pregame meal. I always kind of have the same thing. Um, and I, I need a nap. I, I mean, um, I need that 45 to an hour, uh, uh, pure nap lights off. It was a little bit tougher for me this year because we had a lot of, uh, game day trips, which I wasn't really used to in Manitoba. You're almost always there the night before. Um, but now in the Eastern conference of the, the AHL, there's a lot more game day travel. So it's a little bit difficult to nap on the bus, but I'm kind of getting better at it. How busy are you during the season? Not as busy as people think. Like when, when we're playing games, like game day, the players are extremely busy. Yeah. You're, you're, you're getting up pregame skate, you're coming home, you're taking care of yourself, you're going back. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a full day thing, but um, especially in the AHL, the way the schedule is structured, um, you get a lot of off time um, throughout the week. Most games in the AHL are Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So your Monday through Thursday um, is usually just practice days. So um, for the most part, you know, you, I'm, I'm done and um, home from the arena at 1.30, 2 o'clock every day um, on a practice day, and which is good. You know, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm running around doing a bunch of stuff. I'm usually pretty tired. But, um, yeah, 1.32, I'm usually home every day and I've got some free time for myself. And, um, yeah, so it, I think uh, players, it's kind of up and down throughout the season of how busy you are. What do you do to keep yourself busy from Monday to Thursday when you guys just have practice? Um, a lot of things. I mean, um, for one, like my girlfriend will come visit me. We'll kind of hang out. Um, but if she's not, I've, this year I started taking a, um, a real estate course, something kind of um, for after hockey. I don't know if I'll ever use it, but it was just kind of something I was interested in doing. So I kind of uh, ventured into that this year. and I'm still doing that now, actually. Um, but, you know, I think when the weather got nicer this year, near the end of the year, um, a couple guys started hanging out a little bit more. Um, so I, I'd say those three things, kind of just spending time with girlfriend, um, a little bit of online stuff and hanging out with the boys. What do you typically do when you're just hanging out with the boys, you know, video games or? Um, I'm not me. I'm not a big video games guy. I mean, I know a lot of guys are now a, a little bit of the younger generations. That's kind of what they do, but. Uh, no, I think for the most part, just going for lunch, going for a coffee, um, hanging out at someone's house. I, I was really lucky to live in a building this year where I, I think about eight or nine of the guys on the team oh, wow. lived in. So we used to, um, at nighttime, watch hockey together. Um, we'd watch Devils games and just kind of hang out and do that. How do you keep yourself busy during the offseason? Um, offseason – it's sometimes it's a little bit tougher than you think. I, I mean, for the most part, um, I like to travel um, the beginning part of the summer. I like to go somewhere, kind of get my mind off hockey. Um, but other than that, um, hanging out with friends, seeing family. Um, uh, I'm still doing um, my online course for real estate and uh, just kind of enjoying the weather. It's so nice now in Toronto. I'm kind of just getting out in the sun as much as I can. What places have you traveled to? Um, a few places I've been to, uh, for vacation, Bahamas, uh, Florida, um, Jamaica, um, 
where else? Pretty much anywhere there's a beach and hot, that's not too far of a flight. Me and my girlfriend try to go to um, and kind of unwind at. Did any of your travel plans get cut due to the coronavirus? No. Well, we had oh, nothing, wow. have anything booked. Yeah. Uh, that's luckily. lucky because a lot of people did. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have anything booked. I mean, I think it's kind of the, the season stopped so abruptly and um, we were looking to make a playoff run this year too. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit different from years past where you kind of, you know, a couple of weeks before the season's end, you, you know you're not going to be playing hockey in a month from now. But um, we were – I was planning on having a playoff run this year. I don't know if you if you were um, – look too much at the the standings or the season, but we had a, a really, really good team, especially after Christmas. We I think we were the um the best team in the AHL from December thirteenth or twelfth on. Um and we were really making a push. So I was really excited for this this season. It's just unfortunate that it ended like this. What would have the Calder Cup mean to you if you were to win it? Oh huge man. I, I just um I think it gets overlooked. You know, people are saying, oh, I, I don't want to win the Calder Cup. I want to play in the NHL. I yeah. want to the Cup. I want to be a full-time guy in the NHL. But I, to be honest, you know, I, I've spent most of my career in the minors. And I, I think at this point in my career, it'd be huge. Not not many guys get to win the Calder Cup, never mind be on a good team. So I, I think it, it means more and more to me every year because you never know when it's going to be your, when your last kick at the can. Um and yeah, we, we had a great team this year, so it, it was it was really special to me. And it's it's too bad this all happened. You're kind of the uh, you know enforcer defenseman yourself. You know you've been in a couple of tellies before. Uh, what's your mindset knowing you had to punch the other guy's uh, booger bag? I would say. Uh, yeah, not so much anymore. I, I, <laughs> to be honest, like I I I was a little bit more. I don't want to say hard nosed, but um, there was just a a lot more fighting, especially in the AHL, like even five years ago, it, it honestly doesn't really happen as much. Um, but, you know, it, it's still a, a, a big part of the game. I just don't think that players are have the same mindset the way they used to. I think fights are a lot more um, uh, for the for the good of your own team now than they are the way they used to be and just kind of beating, beating each other up. Um, but, you know, I think that it's still a huge part of the game that, that needs to stay in the game. Um, and... It, it doesn't happen for a reason. I, I think people want to see goals. People want to see um, playmaking and and, um, and 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 offense. So I think it's you know it, it's it's still going to have its part in the game, but it's kind of been um, over overlooked and overtaken by um, the skill in the game now. What goes on after the fight? Do you ever just chirp in the sin bin? <laughs> uh, no, I, to be honest, not me. I. I all my fights are, are mostly because of standing up for a teammate or a big hit. I'm not more of a guy that kind of goes out looking for it. Um, and to be honest, after a fight, if someone fights me, I, you know, you got to tip their hat to them. I, I kind of respect them. And, you know, it, it's the kind of the guys that will keep chirping and kind of skate away from you that, you know, you kind of have some lasting feelings for, I'll say. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty tame guy in that and and that's and that's sensitive. Do you ever reach out to a player after the game saying like good fight or you know thanks for stepping up? Um I have, yeah. Like I've um I haven't reached out like on social media or anything like that, but I I've definitely um seen guys out, um, especially in Manitoba and St. John 
sorry, especially in St. John's because it's such a small town. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think both teams would kind of be at the same restaurant after the game, um, having a drink or grabbing some food. And a couple of times I, I've said hi to the guys that uh, we've played against and, and not just fought, just kind of battled against all night and just kind of, um, you know, uh, hung out with them and had a conversation. It's just kind of the the way the job is. And then, you know, in a few weeks, you, you're back up against them again and, and, and you're in your opponents. But I think that's what's kind of the cool part of our game is, is mutual respect for each other. Like you said, your career was mostly spent in the minors. Have you ever been a part of the Teddy Bear Toss game? I have, yeah. Um, a bunch of times. I There was – I was part of – well, I've been part of all of the, the ones that my team have put on. But I th- – I was, yeah. I, I got scored on um, for the teddy bear toss in the ACC. So the Marlies were playing in the – sorry, the Scotiabank Center. I can't say that. In the Scotiabank Center. And um, they were – it was a school day game, so it was a sold-out Air Canada Center. And we were um, we were last place that year. We were, we were not a good team. And the Marlies are usually always one of the best teams. Yeah. And uh, I think I got scored on first shift, and it was actually kind of <laughs> – I think it was it was like kind of my fault. I was in front of the net and like I can't really remember how the goal went in. And I remember just looking up and, and just, just seeing all of these teddy bears, teddy bears everywhere. And I, I'm just like, oh my god! And, and and I'm from Toronto, so my whole family was there too. So that's the worst. Yeah. So it was like my my family's there. I probably had ten people there. Uh, first shift, we get scored on. Um, and I remember trying to skate off the ice and I, I couldn't even skate cause I just kept on stepping on teddy bears <laughs> and sliding. So I was like, this is the most embarrassing moment of my life. And I just kind of got to the bench, buried my head, took water. What a way to start a game in my opinion. Yeah. yeah well, we weren't good that year. So to be honest, we, we started a lot of games like that. The media coverage isn't as big as it is in the NHL. Um, does that provide some comfort for you? Um, yeah, yes and no. I, to be honest, I, I played in Winnipeg. Or so when I played in Manitoba, we had quite a bit of coverage there because Winnipeg is, is loves their hockey. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I loved it. It's nice to, to get the attention. You know, when you're doing well, you get noticed. And when you're doing bad, you get noticed as well. But I, I think it's a great way to hold yourself accountable. Um, and, I, I mean, I always love playing in the big market, you know, especially – I mean, the OHL, I played in a Kitchener, which is, is a bigger market. Mm-hmm. And I always, I love, I love the big markets. I, I think it's, um, there's just so much hype and so much uh, feeling surrounding the game. And it's just, uh, it's an awesome thing to be a part of. Now, throughout your playing career, who would you say is the best and worst teammate to room with on a road trip? <sighs> Ooh. Um, best teammate. That's kind of tough one i can give you the worst teammate yeah give me the worst then it's uh he's my good buddy that's why i can say this uh will o'neill okay i don't know if you know who that is he he's uh he played with me in st john's we actually lived together and i I wouldn't say worst because he's a great guy but he's just got he's just doing a hundred things at once he's lying he's foam rolling in the middle of the uh, (laughs) between the two beds he's uh on his laptop he's he's on your side of the room He's just uh, almost ADD to the max, so he's just all over the place. So I, I would say for that, Will O'Neill, even though I did it for a long time and we're good buddies, I'd say him. Um, best is kind of tough. I've had so many 
I've had a lot of good roommates. To be honest, it's it's it's, it's even nice to be with like a, a younger guy, even a rookie, because they don't really say much and they just kind of go to bed. So you just it's just like kind of being like yourself. Yeah, like um, sorry, your own being, man. Being by being by yourself. Um, I don't know. I, I I can't say one person per se. Do you think that uh, your traits kind of, uh, you know, did Willie give you some of his traits to you? Because you said that, you know, you're kind of like the same person, how you're just all over the place. Uh, no, I try not to be like, well, he's kind of, uh, he's up and at it. I kind of try to be a little bit more laid back um, and mindful. So, I mean, he was good to live with because he taught me to just slow down a bit. What would be your go-to shootout move if you got a chance? That's tough. I mean, like I don't want to reveal your, you know, too much about you because <laughs> obviously some goalies could be watching. But what would yeah, be your yeah. go-to move? My go-to move would probably be like, I say this now, but I honestly think for me, is coming down and taking a slap shot. Like, yes. I, 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 if you don't score, you you look like a big idiot. But it's actually, and I've talked to goalies, it's tough to save. You you walk if you can get that like, off quick. And you come down, it's literally the hardest shot you can do. So, like the, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's just, I think it's just kind of, um, I don't want to say overlooked, but it's just guys don't really do it as, as often as I think they should. Yeah, I mean, like the player that comes to mind when I think of someone going down in a shootout and taking a slap shot is Claude Giroux. Like, he does that so well and it's yeah, so yeah. often. And he mastered, yeah. like, he's a master at it. Yeah, oh, for sure. And he, he gets it off quick and it's, it's like, you, if you think about it, you're taking the hardest shot you can take as close as you pretty much can to the goalie. And I mean, like, yeah, you know, you can make a move, or, or but it's like, it's a, it's a heavy shot to save mm -hmm. as a goalie. But with, the, you know, with going down as, uh, as a slap shot, once you wind up, you know, like you say, you can do a move, you can fake the slap shot, you can take yeah. it. You know, there's so many possibilities going through a goalie's head. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, especially the fake slap shot. I mean, mm -hmm. if you, you could definitely pull someone like that off. Maybe, maybe not me. I think I'm committed to it and I'm just going to try to shoot it right through them. But um, yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have a funny story to share about your career? Ooh, I should have thought of this beforehand. I, um, let me try to think. Um, yeah, this is kind of a funny story. This, this, this didn't happen in pro, but. Yeah, uh, sure. Just, just during your career, whether it is in the OHL. Yeah, yeah. This is just a funny story that it always it always like comes to mind when someone's asked me the same question. So I was playing. It was my my it was my NHL draft year, and I was playing in the um, the uh, the pros the top prospects games. I guess. Oh, CHL top prospects. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's this. This was the CJHL top prospect. Okay. Game. So it's not obviously as big as the CHL prospect game, but it's still a pretty big event. It's players from all around Canada are invited to this game, and it's. Obviously, it's a lot of scouts that go there. Um, a lot of guys going in NCAA, um, guys trying to get drafted in the NHL. And um, it was in Winkler, Manitoba. So everyone was really excited. It was my draft year. I was talking to a couple teams, and I was really excited. And I was just before the game, I was like, you know, like, I got to stand out tonight. Kind of just thinking to myself, like, I got to really stand out. And um, I'm like, okay, hey, like, I don't really know what I said to myself exactly, but I'm like, okay, hey, I'm going to make sure I'm ready for this game. I'm going to come out. I'm coming out, balls out. And it was that lap. So when they get, before the game starts, after warm-up, like that first lap, the, the, the token lap, everyone kind of comes out and goes around the net. 
and then goes to the bench and the game starts. Um, so I come flying out of the gate. I'm like second or third guy and I'm like ripping and, and I, I get to the net and I don't know if it was like, I don't even know if I lost an edge or I stepped on something, but I fell and I was going like, I was going like a hundred percent for probably like eight seconds and the wall and the ice was slippery. So like when you slide on wet ice, you slide. Right? Yeah. And I, I hit the net and I take the net out and I literally am lying on the back of the net and the net falls and I, and we go crashing into the corner and it makes a huge sound and everyone in the rink is staring at me. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like it was, I was I couldn't even get to the bench fast enough. I just kind of get to the bench. And I'm like, please, like ho- hopefully no one saw my name on the back of my jersey. Um, that was by far the most embarrassing, but in hindsight, the funniest thing that happened to me. Well, I guess the Zamboni driver's got to do a better job cleaning the ice, not leaving the residue. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you know what? It probably wasn't. I probably tripped over my own feet or something. I was just kind of trying to do too much early on. Now, to close off uh, this interview, do you have any advice for aspiring hockey players that may look up to you? Um, I would say just stick with it and, and, and make sure you're really enjoying it. I, I, I Honestly, I, I think too many young players get kind of caught up like, I have to do this to get drafted. I have to do this to, to go to school. I have to get this. I want to be the best player on my team. Like, Just really focus on what you do well and enjoy doing it because I think that your passion – and your love for the game will carry you through it naturally. I, I think, like, the, even, like, now I, I see it, you know, like, it'll be my ninth year pro. Like, the best players are the guys who who love playing the game. And when, when the going gets tough, like, their love for the game pulls it through, pulls them through it. And just it, it really translates to the, their on-ice production. And I, I just think that growing up is kind of the same way. Like, love the game and do be the player that you want to be and – what you're good at and what you love to be. Don't let someone tell you that you have to do this, that you have to do that. Yeah. If you want to make it, you have to do this certain thing. I think at a young age, you just really want to develop those roots of the love and the passion for the game more than anything. All right. Well, I'd like to thank Binnington, Binghamton Devils uh, defenseman, uh, Julian Mokiori. Thank you again for joining me on the podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me, Michael.